2: we can accomplish any goal we set for ourselves. Karen Casey. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a platform by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions. We bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of Be The Star You Are Charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, I will be talking about goals with Nihail and Dan Millman. Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts and we will use these funds for outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. I'm Maggie Campioni, and today on my segment, Express Yourself, I will be talking about how to set productive goals and why New Year's resolutions don't always work. Setting goals can sometimes feel like an uphill battle. You set them, then forget then remember it halfway through the year and then think, well, it's too late to start now and end up giving up. I really wanna be able to set good goals and I'm sure that a lot of you do as well. After doing some research, I found some pretty good strategies to set them. A website called Action for Happiness says that there are seven steps to achieve your goals. The first one is to decide on one. Pick something that you're passionate about, something that you actually want to do, not something that you just think will make you, sp- not something that you're not really like excited about doing. It can be big or small. It can also be an extension of something that you already do, like kicking twice a week instead of once or going for a 30 minute walk instead of a 20 minute one. The second step is to write it down. Writing things down makes it more concrete and not just a thought. It's helpful to write it down in the present tense using statements like I am doing this instead of I will. Example is I write in, in my journal in the morning every day and make and be sure that it's specific instead of just saying like a general statement like I write more. Ask yourself how you'll feel when you achieve this goal and try to manifest that into your writing. I am so happy that I write in my journal every day. I feel so blessed that I have amazing friends that surround me and stuff like that. Trying to set those goals for yourself and tell someone. Once you tell someone about your goal, you have another person to hold you accountable and make sure that you're sticking to your steps for the goal. And that goes into number four, which is breaking your goals down. Having goals with no distinct steps can make it kind of hard to follow. So something you can do is break it into steps. Maybe if you're trying to run a marathon, step one, I go for a two mile run every day. Step two, once it gets to March, I'll start to go on four mile runs or something like that until you reach that goal of running the marathon. Breaking your goal down also helps because, in the time frame, because if you have a goal like extended on a huge time frame, but you have no tangible way of completing it and no kind of like, today I'm going to do this, tomorrow I'm going to do this. It can feel really overwhelming, at least for me it has. And But after you break your goal down, the first thing is to plan your first step. An ancient Chinese proverb says, the journey of a, hundred mi- or a thousand miles sorry, starts with one step. So honestly, if you just plan that, it'll be so much easier for you to keep going and keep pushing. It's the hardest thing to do is to take the first step towards a goal. the hardest thing to do is to step outside and try to go for a run or find that recipe book that you've been looking for to cook new recipes for yourself. It's hard to get started on something, but once you're on that path, once you're really doing it, then it gets easier. Step number six is to keep going and persevere. I know that it's tough, especially like in the middle of the year, if this is a year long goal that you're setting for yourself and you feel like this is so, this is so like nothing is happening. Like I'll never be able to reach this, but you really have to remember that you really have to have faith in yourself that you're going to be able to do this. Because once you have those steps and you break that goal down and you plan your first step, then you already know that you have all of the equipment to do it, and you have all of the like resources to, so to speak. But you just have to keep pushing and keep going and persevere, which is definitely really hard. But once you eventually finish that goal, you can celebrate. Celebration is so important. Rewarding yourself for how hard you tried is so awesome. And once you've done that, then... then you feel so accomplished about your goal. So going back to these seven steps, I think you can really tell how for a lot of people, seven years resolutions can be hard because at least in my case, I always set them over the long term, over the one year, over the, I'm going to, this is my long term, long time goal, but I never really did the Write it down, break your goal down, plan your first step. And I think that those are some things that a lot of people have missed when thinking about New Year's resolutions. I think also having, like, deciding on a goal that's, that you're really passionate about is, like, really important. And I think that a lot of the time people pick goals not really, like, for the, like, not not just because they actually want to do that, maybe just because it'll reflect well on them to others. I think picking something, and it can be small even. It doesn't have to be this big thing. I used the example of running a marathon before. It does not have to be running a marathon. It can just be taking a walk every day. Taking walks is so important, and it can really help clear your head. And I think that Having that as your New Year's resolution and saying, hey, I'm going to go outside for five minutes one day. I'm going to go outside for 10 minutes another day. I'm going to go outside for 20 minutes the next day. And just increasing that over and over until you eventually reach the I'm going to go for a 45 minute walk every day goal. It can be small and it can be something like that but it ends up being really helpful for you. So those are just some of my tips and some of the stuff that I've researched for New Year's resolutions. But I think that it's really important to also remember that you are so capable of like reaching your goals. And I think a lot of the time we kind of like, we kind of like beat ourselves up, so to speak, if you don't like accomplish it in this small time frame, or if you're not perfect the first time doing something, let's say that your goal is to is to cook more often, but the first time you cook, you burn your eggs or something like that. I feel like that can be really hard to like get past that and say, okay, this is a learning process. This is something that I have to work towards. This is something that I have to put effort in and not just like, and not just giving up after that first kind of step. And I think that's been really hard for me personally, like not like that, like perfectionism of like, I have to get this right. I have to be the best one at this goal. When really looking back and saying, this is something that I'm striving to do. And the whole reason I set this goal is that I wasn't perfect at it. I I wasn't the best at this. And I think that's really something that we should all kind of like realize and really like try to have like grace with ourselves when we're setting goals. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment during the break, check our website, www.bethestarur.org. Keep listening for more as Nahal Hall and I will be interviewing world renowned athlete and best-selling author, Dan Millman about his newest book, peaceful heart warrior spirit. Don't go away. Express yourself. We'll be right back.
4: with us at be the and the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
2: This is Maggie in the hall. And today we will be talking to Dan Millman about his work and his book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit. Dan Millman teaches the peaceful warriors way in the United States and around the world. Author of 18 books published in 29 languages. Millman is a former world champion athlete, university coach, martial arts instructor, and college professor. His bestseller, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, was adapted into a feature film starring Nick Nolte. Millman and his wife, Joy, live in Brooklyn, NY. De- his website is www.peacefulwarrior.com. And welcome to Express Yourself. We're so happy to have you here.
5: Well, thank you, Maggie and Hall. Huh? Yeah, great yeah. to have you here.
2: So can you tell us more about your book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit, and how you've kind of, um, how you got the idea for that, maybe? I don't know if that's the right wording or how you, what was like the process of writing that book?
5: Well, sure. I'm uh, happy to answer that. And I, I suppose your listeners are going to be thinking on some level, you know, what's in this for me? How is it relevant to my life? And I'll, I'll try to make it so. Um, basically, uh each of my eighteen books came at its own time. I, I didn't plan them. They were like planes lined up on a foggy runway, uh and each one just jockeyed for position. But the first book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, um I I had studied with four uh primary mentors, uh unusual, radically different types of people. One I call the Professor, one was the Guru. One was the warrior priest, and one was the sage. And they each had their own approach. This was over a 20-year period of preparation. This was after my athletic career and coaching career. Um, and But way back when, uh, after, the, after I studied for some years with the first two mentors, almost a decade, really, um, there was something I wanted to share. I didn't know if anybody would want to read it, but... I just wanted to write it down in a way that made sense, uh, that was practical and people could relate to, I hoped. Um, and, and the the term peaceful warrior, you know, where it first came up was organic in my life. I, I was teaching a course at Oberlin College um, in Aikido and Tai Chi to internal martial arts. And I was going to call the course The Way of the Warrior, but that didn't quite seem to fit. So, I thought, "Wait, why don't I call it the way of the peaceful warrior? It, it, it lended some balance and when I wrote the book many years later, uh, that phrase came up, and so it was kind of organic you know natural in my life to use that term and it's and, and it turned out you know I began to understand more of how that that phrase came into my life because I view everyone young and old as a peaceful warrior in training, and what do I mean by that well Every one of us is striving to live with a more peaceful heart, um, yeah, a sense of serenity and equanimity and balance amidst the chaos and changes of everyday life. Because change comes at us, you know, in waves we can't control or predict, but we can learn to surf. And so that was the beginnings of, of this of this way. Um, so. I I began to teach this approach to living that was, I I feel, practical. Because of my background as an athlete, I wasn't into abstract philosophy. I wanted practical outcomes in everyday life. And so there are certain principles that I think it's so important uh, for young people and older people to understand, such as uh, to respect your own process. You know, one big problem today is many many young people look at their friends on instagram and and uh, snapchat and and you know some are still on on facebook and everyone seems to be having such a good time but us a better time well we need to learn to stop comparing ourselves to other people because as soon as we do that my life their life you know it it, it we're either going to feel superior or inferior and we It's a profound disrespect for our own life, our own process. You know, when I used to coach, I found that some people can learn a somersault quicker than other people. But those people who took longer to learn it often learned it better than those who learned it faster. So we each have our own ways of learning and living. And so it's profoundly important, I think, for each of us to respect and trust our process. That's why I tell my students and my readers, I'm not here for you to trust me I'm here to help you trust yourself. And that's the the warrior spirit part. Uh, It's not about fighting, but it's about standing up tall inside of ourselves and rolling up our sleeves and marching into life as difficult as it can be. And it's been a tough couple of years right now for everybody around the world. um, It's going to change. Everything does. Uh, The Buddha once said, uh, everything that begins also ends. Make peace with that. And all will be well. So I know I've gone on at some length, but I wanted to give you kind of a context and feeling for the what was behind finally writing my 18th book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's more of a, you, so you're writing for people to take what you said and apply it to themselves and make it personal for them? So
5: exactly. So
2: like yeah, you're kind of it, like a guide but not the well, and yes.
5: all? Exactly, you know, there's one light but many lamps. Uh, André Gide, yeah. the philosopher, once said that everything that needs to be said has already been said, but it needs to be said again because no one was really paying attention. And, and so that opens up a space for new writers, new voices. Each of us stands on the shoulders of other people. And in Peaceful Heart Warrior Spirit, this memoir, the true story of my spiritual quest, It's not really just about my spiritual quest, it's about the quest for meaning, for purpose, for connection, for fulfillment, happiness, even illumination. We're all seeking something, uh, a better way of life, how to live wisely and well. We're looking for guidance and reminders, uh, not just from people, but from the world of nature. You can learn from a cloud passing by in the wind or a tree bending in the wind. Nature's always been my primary teacher. So, yes, I'm one of many voices, um, but I do my best to express it in such a way that it, it makes sense to people. And that's, that's what I tried to do. in relating my memoir, I wasn't assuming everyone wants to read about my particular life. Because, you know, Maggie, uh, I sincerely uh, uh, encourage everyone to value their story. Each of us has a story in the making, unfolding even now. And... Our story is our treasure because there's not a single story on the planet like yours or Nahal's or any of uh, the listeners. It's unique in the world. And each of our stories, each of those stories has elements of heroism, of quiet heroism, of courage, of overcoming adversity. Everyone's experienced physical, emotional, or mental pain in their life. and But because of that, we're a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser. And that's why I view life, daily life, as a form of spiritual weight training. You don't lift any weights, you don't get any stronger.
6: Yeah, and I, I think that's really great way to put it. Like, every day we, you know, we face this new experience or we do a mistake, but it's kind of like what we learn from those mistakes and how we grow into better human beings. And I, I think one of the ones that stood out to me that you said was like social media for teenagers these days and how kids and teenagers we kind of base our self-worth off of other people off these influencers or off our peers or classmates and we think that our lives aren't as good as theirs because as like people have said people only post the good things about usually only posted yeah. good things about themselves on social media mm-hmm. and sure. everyone's probably going through something. So that doesn't, I guess, necessarily mean that just your life isn't compared to theirs. And I, I think that that's a great way that you kind of put it. And I I really like that.
5: Well, I appreciate it. And I'm glad that you related to it. I hope your listeners do as well.
6: Yeah. And uh, another kind of question I had was kind of like during your formative years, you you've encountered bullies during like elementary middle school and did these encounters kind of begin your evolution as like a peaceful warrior?
5: Yes, as I explained in the in the book, uh, I my mother loved to work. She loved to be out in the world, and she got me into kindergarten, you know, as soon as she could. And I just made the cut, so I was the youngest kid in my kindergarten class, and first grade, and second grade, and right up through my schooling. Through college, I was always the youngest and there were other people seemed to get certain things I didn't get. I was also fairly small in stature. I was about five foot six. Um, and, and, you know, it helps for gymnastics, but not always basketball, for example, or in life. Um, so I was smaller and younger. And I, I think probably I talk too much sometimes. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> but um, it attracted the attention of some bullies uh, in, in elementary school and middle school. And, um, yeah, I was, I was threatened and, and hit some, um, and, but I, am grateful for those experiences now looking back because that developed in me an interest in learning to defend myself and, and cause everyone has a right to do that. And so I began to take various martial arts and my, my experience in martial arts is typical of my experience in life because some people do one thing, they study one martial art for Ten or twenty years, or or one religious path, or you know, one approach to cooking, or whatever it is, and I've always valued bread. I like to be exposed to different things, so it gives me a sense of perspective. So I started with boxing, and I discovered very quickly at nine years old that I didn't like getting hit or hitting other people. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I I moved on to judo, and I studied judo for a while, and and then. Uh, karate uh, okinawan style i got pretty good at that uh kicks and i could move very quickly and i was developing more confidence uh and then i had a 10-year period where i didn't do any martial arts because i was busy doing gymnastics um but after after college when i started coaching at stanford university on the gymnastics team there um i took up aikido and then later Tai Chi and some Filipino arts, and uh, later a Russian martial art called Sistema. So I've, I've had a breadth of understanding in the various arts, um, and, and that was my approach to life and, and studying with these. Many people have studied with one guru or one teacher or learned a method or two, but these four major people I studied with that I relate in, in the book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit, um, again, they represent Key elements of, of what the spiritual path is about. Um, I learned that from the professor, his school, I started with a t- 10 hours a day for 40 days straight. This intensive training, 50 different kinds of meditation for different purposes. Uh, many different sorts of breathing exercises, including one where I breathe once a minute for an hour while watching, imagining a snake going up my spine, a snake made of light, and then down again in the frontal channel. Um, there were uh, models and, uh, of understanding levels of consciousness and why we do certain things to relieve stress. We have different um, means of doing that. Um, some are more productive, some are less so. Uh, and so there was so much in this training. And yet, even after doing that training for 40 days, and then an advanced training for weeks and and more, I realized that as much as I was getting better at doing inner work, uh, I just got better at doing inner work. It didn't. There was a firewall between that and daily life. At the time, I was having difficulties in a marriage. I was very young when I was married, um, and, and I was realizing it. It doesn't help you fix a sink or or Uh, do well in in school necessarily, or in a relationship. So I started to see that the technological approach, and even though it was a wonderful uh, training in itself, wasn't going to do it. And that's when I moved on and discovered the guru. And and he was, he had the mojo, I'll tell you. He had the juice, Um, (laughs) amazing, charismatic, uh, humorous, wise person. His books are absolutely incredible. And scholars are just lauding it among the best books ever written on, on spirituality and life and death and enlightenment and so on. Um, and he also we sat with him in in what's called darshan in in, in other words, um he the divine, whatever you, one that means to somebody, the transcendent flowed through him, and we absorbed it and kind of communed with it through this being. Um, But I didn't really know very well, personally, either the professor or the guru. He he was an aloof figure in the distance. But then when I met the warrior priest, this was different. This was a guy who was a martial arts teacher, a former um, bounty hunter, pilot, an adventurer. He was a metaphysician and a healer. That's why the warrior priest part. and. He was, a, he was dramatic, and he was so much fun to be around. It was always exciting, and I learned very practical tools through him, um, but through the circumstances I describe in the book, we ended up uh, parting ways uh, after a tragic accident he had, um, and then I found the sage, and I came full circle. He brought me back to Earth. After being in the the heights of um, transcendent uh, experience, he brought me down to earth so I could live with my head in the clouds, but my feet on the ground. And that's quite a stretch. Uh, but he also influenced uh, everything that I, I did and taught. Though I don't parrot what I learned from these different teachers. Instead, they sowed seeds that blossomed inside of me and bore fruit and gave me a avenues to deeper insight which is what I've been teaching ever since in my long teaching career so I, I hope that uh, conveys the varied experiences that brought me to what I do now rather than jumping from being an athlete to a a teacher of spiritual ideas.
2: <laughs> yeah I think that's, that's really beautiful and how these people that taught you were so different but can teach you such a valuable lessons. I think that that's something really cool. See in how you are kind of a jack of all trades, so to speak, not just focusing in on one specific thing. But how can um, how did you find these teachers, and how can others find their professor and guru and sage and the people that guide them and influence their lives?
5: That's a good question, Maggie. Uh, And and here's here's the thing. Um, There's a saying we've all heard. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. But many people misunderstand that idea. They think if you're ready, you've suffered enough or you've been initiated or prepared yourself enough or you're more deserving. Somehow the teacher will appear and guide you or kick you up the path. But actually, it means something deeper. When the student is ready, or paying attention, really open, looking for that. Um, the teacher appears everywhere. Uh, you know, I was working in an office as an administrator way back when I was searching for a career, and I was really stressed out. It was Friday afternoon, my wife Joy and the uh, two little daughters were coming to pick me up on Friday, and I wanted to get everything done. I had an hour left, and I was filling out forms and calling people. And I felt the stress rising. We all know what that's like. My head, I was pre-headache. I I was breathing more shallow. And Mm -hmm. I happened to look out the window and I saw a cloud floating by, not racing the wind, not dawdling behind it, just kind of going with the flow. And I found myself taking a deep breath, relaxing, and continuing with my work in a relaxed way. And I got everything done. I was stressing myself out. Which, so I learned from that cloud. I was paying attention. We can, we can learn from a tree bending in the wind. We can learn from many different sources. We don't necessarily have to find a professor, guru, warrior, priest, or sage. We all have role models. We have friends and, and some, a few rare teachers who we remember, who inspired us. And, and to me, you see, that's what spirituality is. It's not about beliefs or necessarily religion. It's about what inspires and uplifts us. When my daughter was about 10 years old, she used to read volumes. And I once asked her, can you make a list of, say, 10 spiritual books you've read? And she said, let me think about it, Daddy. And, and the next day she gave me a list. And not a single one of those books were about metaphysics or New Age ideas Um. Uh, or religion, what they were about, these were books that uplifted her and inspired her. So, at the beginning of the book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit, I have key terms, and that's how I define spirituality. And because so we're, we start on a common ground. Um, so, again, these are some of the things that I've learned over time, some of the reminders. Uh, I, I, that's what I do. I remind people and offer observations about what we already know at deeper levels, but we tend to forget. I'm like a yellow highlighter in the book of life.
6: Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. And I kind of find it interesting that you said that, you know, does not have to be a warrior priest or sage or a teacher? It can be anything in nature. Like, like you said about the cloud, or it could be a tree bending in the wind. And I think that's, really interesting and a kind of a different way to put it because as you know people are stressed out or they're doing something and they need something to relax and you know what if they're not talking to someone or they don't have a role model to go to and they can look in nature and see the clouds moving and kind of use that to help them relax and i think that's really helpful and a really interesting way to do it
2: yeah i, I completely yeah. agree
6: I'm I'm glad. Uh, yeah, you were going to say, Maggie. Uh,
2: oh yeah. Before, um, I thought that the getting inspiration from nature can be is really powerful. As a very um, artistic person myself, I can find myself like just looking at nature and really like feeling the connection there, and even artistic inspiration. And as um, you were talking more about like light. I don't know if life inspiration is the right way to put it, I think, but even just any type of inspiration, so to speak, can come from so many different places. And I think that that's something really valuable for people to learn, which is really cool.
5: Well, you know, to be inspired means to breathe in spirit. And uh, everywhere I look, I used to think I knew what spirit was, but everywhere I look, I see spirit. It's not like the, the person on the radio says 20% chance of rain and 30% spirit out today. You know, spirit's always with us. We, beauty and inspiration surround us. But often we don't notice spirit. We don't notice the beauty and the inspiration because we're preoccupied with what am I going to do about my relationship or lack of same, Or what am I going to do about my body or my health issue or finances or decisions I have to make? So we get preoccupied. And it's only when we travel somewhere or go to the woods, you know, the Japanese, um, the Japanese call it forest bathing. When we go to the woods or a different location or another country, uh, then we start looking around for a while with the eyes of a child again. Like, wow, wow. We wake up in a different way. So the thing is, it's not about seeking inspiration. Because, you know, somebody came up to me after a talk I gave once and said, Dan, I don't know, I feel kind of inspired. And I said, don't worry, it'll pass. Because inspiration and motivation come and go. You can't count on them all the time. There's a way to live that independent of how you happen to feel at the moment. Where you accept whatever thoughts you have, positive or negative, you accept them as natural to you in the moment. And at the same time, um, at the same time, you while you're accepting those as you would in meditation, just notice them. They come and they go. This is the feelings that are passing through me like the weather. These are the thoughts that are appearing in my awareness. At the same time, you ask, but what do I need to do right now? What is my purpose? What is my goal in this moment? You know, a lot of us are confused. We think, oh, what is my cosmic purpose, my ultimate purpose? What am I here to do in life? That's a big question. And it can take years, even after college, to know ourselves well enough to choose wisely, even though we're asked to make these choices early on. Um, But we always know our purpose in this moment. I know my purpose right now. And I I know you know your purpose, too. So if we focus on this present purpose and what needs to be done and then doing it, um, despite whether we happen to feel confident or not, despite whether we feel motivated or not, we've all done things when we weren't motivated to do. How many of us have gone to school when we weren't necessarily feeling like it or taken out (laughs) the trash or done the dishes? We know how to do that. And those who do that, those who function well and finish what they start, are going to have more of a baseline of happiness or at least fulfillment or satisfaction than those who don't finish what they start. So it's a very practical approach, a realistic approach to life. And a lot of it uh, was influenced by the sage, that fourth mentor. And for people who say, but gee, I want mentors like that. Well, that's why I wrote the book to share them with you.
2: That's yeah, that's really interesting. So kind of, um, Going back to your, uh, so going back to your book, uh, "Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit." What are some tips that you have for people to be um, peaceful warriors and to uh, like embody that in their everyday life?
5: Well, this is going to sound kind of radical, in fact, provocative, but here it comes. I do not encourage you, Maggie or you, Mahal, or anyone to feel loving, or to feel kind, or to feel courageous, or to feel confident, or to feel happy. What I encourage you to do is to behave that way, to behave with loving kindness, whether or not you're feeling kind in that moment, to behave with confidence, whether or not you're feeling confident and so on. And some people might go, wait, that seems inauthentic. You mean feel one way and behave another? Yes, exactly. That's the way we are liberated from the domination of um, going with every emotional impulse. They change all the time. We can recognize our feelings. They're Mm -hmm. valuable. Our emotions give us information about ourselves, about life, Whenever there's an emotional charge, there's a lesson to be learned. So I'm not saying deny or ignore emotions. Notice them, as we would in while meditating. Feelings are like weather patterns of the body. They pass through us. And thoughts, sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negative. That's fine. But at the, main, at the same time, if we go, what do I need to do right now? So, for example, if somebody were feeling really afraid because they saw a house on fire, Then they heard a child yelling inside, help me, help me. And they found themselves running into the smoke to save the child. While terrified, they grabbed the child and run out. And should they listen to their feelings? Should they have said, oh no, I'm afraid. So I can't can't go in there. So that's what I mean by behave with courage, whether or not you happen to be feeling that way. And those who learn to do that, And you might interpret that as a fake it till you make it, but it's not about waiting for the emotions and trying to generate them. It's accepting emotions, accepting thoughts, but behaving like the
6: person you want to be. Yeah, that's that's kind of a new perspective for me, you know, because I've heard before, like people are like, oh, if you're not wanting to do something kind that they don't do anything because it's not like going to like an authentic or a real feeling you have. And I think that's a different way of putting it. You know, for example, like if you're not, like if you're not really feeling kind that day, you're feeling like doing a good deed, but you do it anyways. I think that also kind of puts a new, I guess, perspective into your own head, like your head, you weren't feeling kind, but now you are doing something that's a good deed. And maybe you feel happy about that. And maybe it makes you feel, like you're helping the community out, which you wouldn't have put if you didn't do anything. And I think that's that's a different way than what I've kind of heard like teachers or parents kind of say it before.
5: Well, I appreciate that. I'm glad you recognize that because it definitely is radically different. Most self-help books talk about how to generate the right emotions and have the positive thoughts or a quiet mind so you can live wisely and well. And I'm saying... We have less control over what thoughts pop into our head. We don't have a spam filter in our head um, and, or what emotions happen to be arising in, the, in, in that moment and then passing. We don't have much control over that. We can't just change an emotion. Occasionally, we can snap out of it, but usually, we feel it till we don't. And so, we have more control over how we move our arms and legs, how we move our mouth. That's an action, what we say and what we do. But it's not just about doing things because they're good, you know, like because they're right or or moral or whatever. It's focusing on what is your purpose. It's respectful of you and every individual. We each have different purposes, different goals and aims. Um, You know, in the Peaceful Warrior movie, there's a scene in which uh, Dan and his old mentor, the old gas station mechanic uh, he called Socrates – um, played by Nick Nolte in in the movie, they're walking up the uh, this big hill. And at the top, Dan has a realization, his character, you know, it's supposed to be my character. He has, a, a, an, he said, you know, Socrates, I just realized it's the journey that makes us happy, not the destination. And well, there's some wisdom in that, you know, because most of our lives are making the journey, not just destination. Uh, and it's good to enjoy the journey. However, without a destination in mind, without a goal, without a purpose, we're moving toward. There is no journey, we just wander around. From our point A, we need a point B. And those uh, the people who are most fulfilled in life always have some goal they're moving toward. Whether it's a school assignment, or whether it's a, a goal in life, in sports or whatever. Um, it's moving towards something, a practice. And that is what can really help people. But it, but it has to be respectful of their values, their interests, and their talents. And it takes a while to discover those things. But when we do, we start to form goals. And, you know, in, in, in Peaceful Heart Warrior Spirit, I mentioned one of my teammates at, uh, at UC Berkeley. Um, his father was an actor, a famous stunt performer and actor. And, uh, Rick was, uh, overweight. Uh, he described himself as pudgy kid. He was getting Cs in school and uh, he didn't feel very coordinated. His father used to make fun of him. And one day something snapped and he was about to start high school. He said, I'm never going to get a B again. I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to become an athlete, a gymnast. And, Rick did exactly that. He completely organized his life around living a life of purpose. And he was an inspiration to me. The, the coach once told me he was the only person he'd known, only gymnast, who never had a bad day. Whatever he felt like, whatever thoughts were going on or feelings, Rick trained hard every day. He became the captain of the team, our top all-round performer at the time, um, he was in, ended up going into physics, advanced physics, getting his PhD, working with Richard uh, Fain, uh, Feynman. Um, and uh, yeah, he never got a B at Cali, straight A. And, and he was an extraordinary guy. But Rick wasn't necessarily smarter or more coordinated. He really wasn't. But he made the best use of his talents. Uh, and he was, had a clear, burning purpose. And that's what he stuck with when he got up every morning. And if we form these purposes, it can really be powerful. So I thought I'd use that example, and I do describe it in the book. By the way, his name was Rick Field, and his sister Sally did pretty well in the acting field.
2: Wow, that's amazing. So I think, um do you have any more things that you wanted to say? or?
6: No, um, but I do think we are out of time. And Dan, I would like to thank you so much for being a guest on Express Yourself Teen Radio. And we enjoyed your book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit. And any listeners, you guys can visit Dan's website at www.peacefulwarrior.com. And again, Dan, thank you so much. My pleasure.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for just being here to talk to us. It was great. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. During the break, visit our radio website at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and consider making a donation to Be The Star You Are to keep us broadcasting.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
4: with us at be the and the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
6: I'm Nahal, and today's show concentrates on New Year's goals and resolutions.
2: And I'm Maggie. Nahal is now going to speak about goals in his segment, Spark Your Interest. Take it away, Nahal.
6: Goals and resolutions are an important part of New Year's to keep ourselves motivated and inspired. And a resolution also makes a sets a firm decision for us to do an action or to break a bad habit.
2: Yeah, that's great. So what are, um, so why are goals or and resolutions so important? And what are some of your goals that you're setting for yourself this year?
6: Yeah, so goals and resolutions are important because, you know, it gives us a chance to become better versions of ourselves. We can break a bad habit or we can start trying doing something new, whether that may be trying a new diet or working out more or working harder in school. And When we stop our bad habits or at least try to, this helps us become better people and it makes us feel good. And kind of some resolutions that I have for this year is I want to do some more exercise. And a goal that I have for this year is kind of to do my absolute best that I can during my golf season and work hard in school. And that's one of my resolutions, which is like kind of working harder in school and to try to not get as easily distracted because that does happen. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Same here, honestly. I especially during online school, it was insane how easily distracted you can get. So you're yeah. talking about like New Year's resolutions and stuff. And what's like, the history of New Year's? Do you know when people started to do resolutions? Or was that just kind of a development over time?
6: So so well first the history of New Year's, it kind of goes back with like the early Roman calendar Um, You know, it had 10 months and three and four days, and it's kind of of confusing, but each new year began like a vernal equinox, and this was kind of according to a website I found. Yeah, and it was kind of created by Romulus, who was the founder of Rome, and then over time, over centuries, kind of, they kind of based off their calendar off of the sun and the way the sun works. But over time, and kind of time developed around where Julius Caesar was emperor, it kind of Fell out of sync with the sun it kind of became more about astronomers and mathematicians and then he introduced the julian calendar which is kind of more closely related to the calendar that we have and kind of calendars that most countries use like each country has they use most of the same calendar but some are different like there's the chinese chinese new year which is later on and Mm -hmm. but As for like with resolutions, I think that was more of a development in like the 19th century or modern time for people to kind of, I guess, give more of a meaning to the new year to, you know, maybe maybe rectify some mistakes or kind of fix some bad habits that they did or, you know, try to become better people. So I think it's kind of more of like a more of like a modern or like modern thing that resolutions kind of came up to be.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, like you said, it seems like New Year's resolutions are like people see the new year as like blank slate, perfect time to like get started on what you have to do. And speaking of ver- resolutions, what are some good resolutions that like teens can have to implement in their lives for um for the new year?
6: Yeah, and so some resolutions and goals are like teenagers can have, you know, it can be read a new book every month. And although that may be hard to start a new book, like if your sport is in season or whatever that may be, at least Mm -hmm. trying to read a book every two months or every three months, it can differ, you know, or maybe read a book every week if you if you have all that time. Um, (laughs) And another one can be sleep more. And you know, I really like to sleep. I need my sleep. But sometimes, you know, staying up late to watch a movie or a TV show, or maybe you're sitting for a test and, you know, trying to catch up with that sleep. I know with teenagers, including myself, we like to stay up late and, you know, we like to watch movies till later, like later on in the evening or sometimes like early in the morning, like till two in the morning. But I think sleep is really important because it helps us grow. It helps us get that rest and helps us feel like feel fueled and energized for, like, the next day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and nice. and another uh, resolution that teens can have is, like, maybe performing more acts of kindness, you know, maybe trying to do Ooh. a good deed every day or a good deed every week. Maybe yeah. it could be, like, yeah, maybe it could be, like, helping an elderly person cross the street or picking up trash. Or, yeah. like, yeah, and, like, kind of what I did this winter was a uh, coat drive. Um, to help, you know, people in my community that are in need for coats. And that can be a bigger act of kindness. So it can be anything from something small to something big, like donating to a charity. But, you know, performing more acts of kindness can help you feel better inside and maybe make you become a better person.
2: Yeah, that's really great. I love the acts of kindness one because I feel like that's like, it's it's very easy to... Um, just kind of like it's it's easier than it sounds to make time to do something kind for someone and I feel like that that's something where you get like a lot of opportunities to do and that's I think awesome so but just like going back to the new year what has been your favorite thing about 2021
6: uh so for 2021 my favorite thing was probably my uncle's wedding it was a really fantastic and beautiful wedding. It was at his house actually in the mountains and it was such a great view and it was really nice because after like a whole year of COVID and staying at home, it was nice to see my cousins and family after such a long time and, you know, we we had a great time. It was nice to catch up and, you know, see everyone after like, because just after COVID being stuck at home, it was nice to, you know, finally have an event to go to again and, and, you know, 2021 was a fun year. And, you know, I hope 2022 also brings everyone joy and happiness. And I would, like also, I would like to also wish the listeners a happy new year. And yeah, I think that 2022 will be a great year for everyone.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. But it was so great to talk to you, Noel. You always have the best things to say. And thank I you. loved how you had such great goals for teens to have. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our audio engineer, Andrew. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making this a top-rated program. For more information about Be the Star You Are charity, visit org find us on instagram at express yourself radio thank you for listening to our 601st broadcast make your new year happy healthy and he- healing have a peaceful heart a warrior spirit and plan your year break up those goals <laughs> always remember to speak up speak out and
0: express yourself
1: If you would let yourself